Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Content warnings for this episode include mental health diagnoses, neurodivergence, ableism, stigmatizing language, and loss slash death. Jennifer would like to acknowledge the indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests live and have dwelt upon. Today, we honor the Coast Salish, Ojibwe, and Dakota land. We honor the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. So welcome to stream. I'm Gender Meowster. I use they, them pronouns. I'm going to let my co-host and then my guest introduce themselves. Atlas Phoenix, they, them pronouns, and my special interest is you. Aw, thanks, friend. How about you, wonderful Hi. guest? Hi, thanks so much for having me. My name is Kai. My pronouns are they, them. I am a non-binary human who currently lives in Germany, which is also why I can't really do any land acknowledgement because we're the original colonizers here that live in a former Viking village at the moment. I'm originally from Austria and I've been in Scotland in the meantime, and I'm now here in Germany for who knows how long, not very long, probably. I'm, yeah, special. my special interests change all the time because I have ADHD, but one thing that's had that's kind of remained a constant is my mental health activism because about 12 years ago, my dad died suddenly and I had a kind of a mental health crisis. And uh, back then it turned out I was burned out. I had undiagnosed ADHD. And after that, I started talking openly about my mental health and that has seriously changed, not just my life, but also other people's. And yeah, now I work in tech. And I'm trying to get my mental health awareness project called Tabula Rasa off the ground. Finally, awesome. I've been doing this for seven years, but mental health has come in between. So I'm in there with Tabula Rasa org. I am also the grumpy envy everywhere else as a person when it's not my mental health stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Glad to um, be here. It's wonderful having you. So there's a couple questions we like to ask every guest. They're at the beginning and end of the show. I hear rumor that there might be a supercut one day <laughs> okay. of all the answers to these questions, which is why I try <laughs> cool. to like, I try to use the same words every time so the editors can find them in the like hundreds of hours of content that they have to <laughs> sort through. So what are some things you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be gender diverse one day? This is funny because here in Germany, to get access to HRT, you have to do this thing called your trans CV or trans resume, which is hilarious because they basically want you to go back to your past and figure out and tell them why you've always been trans. <laughs> which when you figure out you're trans at age 30, I think I was 36 or 37, is a long way to go back. But in retrospect, By 50. I, but you didn't have to write a trans resume, I assume. <laughs> I mean, sort of, but you're right. Go on, please. <laughs> it is a really weird experience to do that, by the way. But yeah, so some things have been like, you know, me realizing that not every girl wanted to be a boy. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I just thought that was normal, but apparently it wasn't. And figuring that out was funny. Other things like more into like teenage years. So everything that 
in retrospect, shows that I was trans, kind of, I always attributed to being queer. Back then, I, so I came out as bi and then lesbian because the biphobia was strong, not mine, but other people's, mm. and then bi again. And I was just, you know, I was like, oh, I always, I go through these butch phases. Yeah, I understand that. And yeah. I was just researching hackers. That's normal. Every 21-year-old lesbian does that. And then when I couldn't get any in Austria, because it was difficult to get back then, I just forgot about it again. <laughs> you know, just, mm. these things that keep coming back up where I'm like, oh, and then, and just later on as an adult, as I was like, oh no, I'm so worried that I'm fetishizing trans people because I keep following them on TikTok and everywhere else. And I'm so in awe of them. And yeah, no, it just turns out I'm trans. Yeah, it's a really experience. <laughs> like in retrospect, you're like, it was right there. <laughs> and I still did not see it because. <laughs> my nose, it was on my eyebrows. And I just was like. On my face, like, like alien stuff. I just love these people. I, you know, I don't know yeah. <laughs> So obviously I mean, we yeah. need a trans facehugger emote now, right? <laughs> Something. Yes, please. <laughs> Something that just says. It's or like right a forest here. of trans trees because you're not seeing the forest of trees, but yeah. I'm I something love that. Like that. That's much it's nicer. Tree. <laughs> Sled <laughs> disturbing problem. Just, just like, like your a- face in a tree. Your face in a tree are the gender meowster cat in a tree. No, I'm not like Blue, white, and pink. If we could get something <laughs> that just says it's right here. <laughs> okay, yeah. side note. Could you imagine how fun a holiday tree would be if it was like reusable every year, but it was like trans colors? I would I'm, decorate I, the heck out of a trans holiday tree. I'm pretty sure that exists. Like, I... <laughs> I bet that exists. If you Google it right now, you can probably order it and have it. Yeah, that's it. That is a challenge. I'm going to Google it. Carry on. <laughs> going to Google it. Carry on. Carry on. Busy. I have already derailed this conversation and you just wanted to ask me three simple questions. No, it's no, it's wonderful. This, I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us have neurodivergence going on. I don't know if all of us have ADHD. We might. Oh my uh, God, it's a top hit. <laughs> in the Christmas tree. Sorry, I think it's just like with Corin. If you can think of it, someone's already done it. Someone's like, already done it. I'll be back. <laughs> you need no, to lick. What are you doing? <laughs> what are I'm you freaking doing? out alone. I'll be back. No, <laughs> no freak out. This reaction is my favorite. <laughs> Okay, they have a pride tree. They have, I think, a bisexual tree. Can you link this somewhere? <laughs> it's on my phone. I'll, I'll put it in Discord. I'm so excited. Do they deliver to, to, to Germany? Is the, but probably not. That's the that's that's bane of my existence. Yeah, Target. Yeah, they deliver to Germany. You know, Target does not deliver to Germany. What about Amazon? Target does deliver oh to Germany. Oh, my God. <laughs> you don't have Target in, in Europe. The audience is asking you to please put these links in the show notes so they can also go buy pride trees. Rainbow trees for everyone. <laughs> there's no Target boutique. Probably not for me, but <sighs> there's no Target boutique in Europe. No, <laughs> we have none of this. Wait, have you been? To Listen, America? on Sunday our stores are closed. All of them. That's they cool. should be closed so people can have the freaking day off. Yeah, That's no, but right. it's religiously motivated. Oh, yeah, that's less great. That's less great. And also, like for tree. some people, it's more convenient to work on. Yeah, but anyway, I'm, um, I'm going to put them in Discord. We're going to solve this problem together. Okay. No <laughs> transgender trees, but please. 
fried cheese. I wonder what the customs charges that they slap on that because I don't <laughs> even know how they would. <laughs> how do you even? How do you even write that in the customs like thing? You got to fill out trans tree. Can you see this? Probably no. not. Okay, no, I'll see. green screens. So. We should. You should. You should mark it down uh, as non-binary tree for customs here, because it, non-binary people in, don't exist here, so it's fine. Post it in, in Discord, and I'll put it in the chat and the show notes. Okay, sounds good. I'm on it. Just yes. Okay. I'll, I just added you in the channel to put it in. This episode brought to you by Pride Yule Trees. <laughs> I bet y'all didn't expect that. Not really. Not. Okay, it's to a stunning start. You know, okay. But to pivot slightly towards what we're here to talk about, I feel like this type of delight is exactly what helps my mental health. It's like the absurd and the ridiculous. Kai, what is making you excited? The link. The gay tree. Bring your picture alone is making me happy. Yeah, it's very fun. It's so I'm fun. putting the other one in Discord too. This one's on Amazon, so you can do that. And I feel like if you just you know, got- Amazon.com doesn't always mean that Amazon D has. But I have a look. I have a look. Well, welcome to my life. I mean, the other thing is you can also just take a tree and some spray paint and, and <laughs> glitter spray paint and just spray it trans colors and envy colors you can have an envy tree you can have a trans tree you can have a trans and envy tree you can have a trans you can have that inclusive there's literally nothing on amazon de it's so sad oh my god okay let's move on to something that is less depressing for me sorry my bad (laughs) what about a snowman tree you can take it apart and send it to me in like separate letters that would (laughs) this feels like it's german it's hamacher no that's american okay never mind (laughs) What are we? Sorry. I feel like you're getting a lesson in America centrism here. <laughs> That's such a big mood. I love it so hard. What about? Yeah. Okay, I found it. Sorry. That's okay. Do you need me? I'm just. No, it's fine. All right. Here's my next question. Okay. So, Kai, yeah. how has your relationship to gender evolved over time? So, you've gone from a kid who your face was in the trees, but you didn't know it, mm-hmm. and now you are who you are. So, like, how? I don't know. How did that? evolution go i feel like it's always changing like i remember about so two years or so ish i so when i moved to edinburgh i finally had more trans friends and then because i went to my uh, this by and beyond in edinburgh which is a, a bi group and pretty much over there everyone there is trans and or neurodivergent it's a great bunch and i love them dearly and i miss them so much but that was like my first like proper exposure to trans people on mass and <laughs> not just like in bits and pieces one here one there and then also non-binary people and I was like huh don't really get that like that non-binary thing just don't get it I don't know why it's weird and then I was like I don't really feel like a woman so like I mean think maybe I'm genderqueer but still cis you know that that phase that pipeline until eventually I ended up with the whole, yes, definitely. I'm one of those non-binary people who are like, yes, I am trans. This is not two separate things. I think my 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 egg cracking moment was when Elliot Page came out. <laughs> that was kind of the, oh, yeah. now I get it. It's not just that I like him. It's also that I want to be them. Got it. Yes, now it's clear. And then, yeah, that was about, what, two years ago? Wow. Then I came out fairly quickly. And I think at first I thought a lot of it was going to have to be like actual physical changes but the funny thing is as soon as I was out to myself as non-binary and trans mask my dysphoria lessened even without many changes like mm-hmm. my hair 
went shorter again but it's I've often had short hair throughout my life because I got annoyed with long hair always and I looked weird with long hair so I've always had it short my parents also raised me fairly gender non-conforming so that wasn't new to me but the fact that I was finally seeing myself lessened so much I mean I'm not free of dysphoria obviously but a lot of what I previously thought was body image issues turned out to be dysphoria and it's like oh interesting so yeah and those moments still happen and yeah can you tell us more about your parents raising you fairly gender non-conforming yes I was never one of those kids that was forced into dresses my mother didn't wear makeup so that was like when I first got into makeup I had to teach myself from scratch because my mother had no idea like my mother never used makeup And also kind of sneered at it. I think a lot of it is that I was basically left to to roam the land like one of the boys, which is also why I always assumed that every girl just kind of behaved like a boy. I wanted to be a boy. So I spent my summers in kind of a summer house cabin thingy at a lake in lower Austria. And I just ran around there with the other kids all day, you know, skin knees and (laughs) dirty faces and everything and it was not as pastoral as it sounds but my gender never came into that like I said I wanted short hair my parents let me have short hair I didn't want to wear a dress I wasn't forced to wear a dress I was never I was told off a lot for fidgeting and behaving like a person with ADHD when they didn't know that that was the case but I was never told off for not behaving girly enough Mm. and yeah so I think for a long time, I thought that I was just gender non-conforming, just like my mother. I have a difficult relationship with my mother, but that part was always clear that, yeah, these like womanhood expectations were not put upon me, which I'm grateful for. But ironically, that's probably partly what kept me from realizing I was trans. Got you. Because, um, yeah, I wanted to behave like a boy. I could. That was not an issue, you know. See a note here, gender non-conforming mom. Wow. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's pretty interesting how you've come through, realize that you're trans and non-binary. And my journey was kind of similar in some ways to that too. And, you know, we're maybe 10 years apart, 11 years apart. And so, yeah, it, it started about this kind of similar way being like slow. Do you think that's why it took you longer as well? I think so. You know, like I was more worried about my age being an issue for testosterone and then surviving the surgeries, but I've already completed top surgery a year ago and I have my bottom surgery in a year. So it's just, I just need to train like, I just need to train for a marathon for surgery. So, so yeah. And then I guess we kind of talked about how your relationship with gender has evolved over time. What, are you ready to move into the next category there? Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about being trans in Germany. What kind of access do you have to HRT? So I started coming out when we were still in the UK, but I did not try to access any, any kind of medical transition stuff there. Wow, that was a full sentence. Well done, Kai. But I know because I know a lot of trans people in the UK, I know how horrible it is. I know that they're now UK-wide, they're now seeing people that have been on the wait list since I think 2016. And mind, this is not for it. This is the first appointment to talk to, I think, a psychologist, a psychiatrist to mm-hmm. get the diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Wow. 
So while I was in the UK, for one, I wasn't even sure I wanted to go on HRT. But also I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, that's not going to happen. Let's not kid ourselves. So I, but when we moved here, I was like, going to have a look into it. And it turns out that you need this thing called Indikationsschreiben, which is like a, basically a letter from a psychologist, psychiatrist that says, this person has been diagnosed with gender dysphoria, or as they call it quite lovingly, transsexuality. They still call it that. It's really wow. bad here. Also, non-binary people don't exist. Since then. Yeah. It's, and I was like, I heard semi good and semi bad things about these like psychologists like basically you oh you give them the money you have to go there so on so many times they do just for the money and then it's not good enough but then i'm trying to remember how i found out about them yes i met someone on twitter who lives about half an hour from where we are mm-hmm. in kiel and they mentioned that they're in kiel at the like there's a the university is a gender clinic or something like that and they were like don't come here it's terrible <laughs> But a friend of mine is saying that they're really good in Hamburg. And Hamburg is like a one and a half, two hour drive from here, depending on depending on traffic. And I was like, it's probably going to be worth it. So I called them. That was the beginning, ending, end of January. I got super lucky. I got an appointment within a week. First time, like usually you'd have to go there every time, but since I'm far away and it was a pandemic. So you have to go five times. That's five conversations that you have. In my case, the conversations I had, up until the last one where they actually, the psychologist has to sign the letter, but those were with a counselor who also happened to be Mm. non-binary, which was super helpful for me. (laughs) They have to go through all this, like they're trying to make people aware that gender is also socialization and like all of the stuff that I was like, so we were going through the list and my counselor was like, yeah, I know you know this, but I still have to tell you this because mm-hmm. they realized that I was already exposed to a lot of trans and non-binary people and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then you go basically the fifth time you get this letter and then you take the letter to an endo, endocrinologist. I, again, I went with a recommendation I got online from multiple people. I've got a really fantastic one. My letter is written as if I was binary because mm-hmm. non-binary people don't get HRT, at least not insurance, but I don't think at all. So I think my end, like my end was the first time I was like, so when did you realize you were a man? I was like, mm, yeah, no. So, uh, and just told us, like, I think she knows that I'm envy, but we don't talk about it because I started microdosing at first. So I was like, I just want to start slow. And she was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I think she knows I'm envy, but we don't right. talk about it because if I'm officially envy, I don't get this paid. So yeah, uh, sir, top surgery is another story which is partly why I don't know how I'm going to do this yet. If you want it to be paid by insurance, you have to do 12 sessions with a psychiatrist over six months. In my case, that will mean driving to Hamburg every two weeks. And it yeah, would wow. cost me like, like 800 euros or something overall. And okay. I was like, that is going to be such a nightmare because I'm so busy and stressed out already. Don't- I don't need to like... They don't let you do telemedicine for that stuff? No. This is the old country. We don't do that stuff. It's frustrating. It's exhausting. It's partly why we can't stay here. But yeah, so my options are either do that or pay privately. But to be honest, I haven't found a surgeon in Germany that I think I would like to go with. There's one in Austria that I'm not considering. So what I'm where I'm at right now, or will be once I found a job and things have settled down a bit again, is trying to figure out if I can pay for it privately there because we have 
if we go back home to do this, even if it's like we we rent someplace for months and my partner Finn comes with me with the dogs, we have support there. Like we have our friends, our family that we have a support system. We have no support system in Germany. We have mm-hmm. no friends here. No one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, my partner can't do everything alone and I don't want to be in a hospital alone for a week. You know, it's just, yeah. So, so and if that surgery, not- you have to stay in the hospital for a week. They're really weird about it here. I don't know if they're the same in Austria, but we first found out about that. We were like, I don't want to stay for a week. Yeah. My procedure, I've had top surgery twice for a bunch of reasons, but my procedure mm-hmm. was outpatient both times. Yeah. Like the and procedure, like, you walk what out I've the heard is day, you stay overnight. You come back and, a week later. Yeah. Yeah, over, one overnight, maybe. That's yeah. It. So yeah. that's what I heard from the that's UK as so well. Wild. So yeah, basically, I'm definitely not going to have surgery here in Germany because you don't have the support system. So either we figure out how to do this in Austria, maybe we'd have to move back for a bit. I don't know. If you can't do it. with So in Austria, you need three different statements from psychologists, psychiatrists, and someone else, but I don't know. In it, I don't probably remember. an MD. Probably an MD. No, oddly enough, no, because it's for the surgeon that you get these three letters. <laughs> a therapist. Therapist is the third one. So psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist. Then you take this to the surgeon and then insurance pays for it. If I was like, if I don't want insurance to pay for it because I'm paying privately, do I still need those three letters? And I've not been able to find out yet if that's the case. Yeah. Sorry, wow. I just noticed that Lee. Oh, Lee, that's so sweet. Watching you come out and figure yourself out has been one of the joys of my life. Thank you. That's very sweet. Right. It was partly thanks to Lee that I probably figured out my at some point. No. But yeah, to get back to that, so it's either going to be we do it in Austria and pay privately. Maybe we have to move back to Austria to get on insurance and do it there. We don't want to stay here. That's whatever. Maybe we move to Ireland and I figure out a way to do it there. So those are like my current, or maybe do it in the UK. I don't know. Okay. It's not going to happen too yeah. soon. Are yeah, there... The wait list in the UK is like nine yeah, years. But pri- but private, but private private is is yeah, but private is faster. So like, yeah. yeah. If I do it in the UK, I think I would go with Thanos for a surgeon because I like his results and I like that he's NB friendly and I would pay privately. But in the UK, I have friends. I have a support system, you know? that can help me and Finn. And yeah, I guess the hard part is that we have to do this twice. So like we have to pay for it. <laughs> T4T household, we have to pay yes. for it twice. We have to figure out the organization <laughs> crap twice. But luckily neither of us currently wants bottom surgery. So at least it's only top surgery. Yeah. At That's least. a whole big mood. My wife yeah. and I are both trans and between the two of us. It's so expensive to count. be T4T. How, how many surgeries have we even had? My top surgery. Her bottom surgery, her bottom surgery revisions, her FFS part one. My first top surgery was a breast reduction, and that was before we were even together. So there's we've already done at least four that I've counted. We still have her top surgery, her FFS part two, my hysterectomy, my bottom surgery. What is that? Eight surgeries I've listed between the two of us, and I'm pretty sure I missed at least one. And none of these are for other things, like if our knees crap out or... Like we need our teeth fixed or the sur- the other surgery I had that was to fix the inside of my nose so I could breathe better because I've got sleep apnea. So it's just, you know, collectively in the last two, two or three years, we've been yeah. together for three years. We've done five surgeries between the two of us and we have at least four more on the way. It's the price of being trans, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And yeah. like either, like There's in the no US, one you does surgery. It. It's like yeah. a bunch yeah. of them forever. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> and either you pay for it, like in the US, you have to pay through those, as far as I can tell, or you pay for it privately yeah. here, or you have to jump through all these 
hoops and gatekeeping yeah. and have to pretend to be binary when you're not and all of this crap. And it's just what, what really floors me about what you're angry. talking about, Kai, is like WPATH 8 was published this year and it does include guidance for non-binary people. So in yeah, terms of Yeah, but it has least, nothing like, to do with Germany. WPATH is supposed to be the world professional mm-hmm. suggestions for everyone in the world. No, it's not. It's oh. supposed to be the global standard for trans care. And yes. so the insurance yeah, companies they didn't in get Germany that are not following that makes mm-hmm. me outraged on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And it makes me want to, I mean, it kind of, it points to the next question, which is, are there any advocacy entities or networks in Germany for trans folks wanting to start a medical transition? Does that group exist or do those groups exist? And are like, they pushing for WPATH, the World Professional Association of Transgender Health in Germany? Can oh. you collectively in Germany, the government to cover that stuff. So in Germany, the government is now talking about adding non-binary gender to the whole shebang and removing the transsexuality and like naming it properly and all that. But I haven't followed that closely. In Austria, we have the like third gender, but it's only for intersex people, not for non-binary mm-hmm. people. There are a few people yeah. individually now going to the courts because in Austria, the way things go, that is also how we got gay marriage, is a, someone goes to court and goes through all the instances. And at some point, the EU comes and wraps Austria on their fingers and is, you have to do this because the system is discrimination. And then Austria maybe begrudgingly does it. So I assume this will go the same way. But that's a long way off. Yeah. In well, Germany. It takes, it takes money to fight those fights, too, because you're going up against the court of the whole government. And they have yeah. deep pockets. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a bit different, I think, because it's you're technically suing against this. I don't know. It's I don't know. I don't know the details. I'm sorry, but if someone is in Austria or German and speaks Austrian, speaks German, genderklage.at is. I can just put that there. I think. Can I put links in there? Does that work? Yeah, there's all kinds of places you can put links, and I'll put yeah, them in the so, show notes for later. Nope, not yeah, there. So a- the- anywhere but there. <laughs> That's what I figured. The, yeah. the Zoom chat, the Discord chat, any of those places. Right. Gender, sorry. Genderklage.at is doing some stuff in Austria. We'll see how that plays out. Some people are going for non-binary. Some people are going for the removal of gender from their passport. There's a, there's a whole bunch of suits going on. In Germany, I don't know what exactly the legal status is, but I know that the government is currently talking about the stuff. But I also don't know how much that will affect the medical side mm-hmm. of it. Because even now, like you get that letter and insurance companies have heard if you get like if it gets a wrong person, they will still say no and then you have to appeal and all of that. So as for groups, I don't know. I've not really gotten in touch with any. There are some there's this one group called Trans Buddies or whatever, but which is basically just trans folk, trans men. Let's put it that way. Talking about where best to go for surgery, et cetera, et cetera. My problem with that has been that is extremely binary. Like you go into that group on Facebook and it's my name is blah, blah, blah. I started my journey then and then I have done this and this surgery and this and that and my name change and my gender marker change and all of that. And I will finally be done with my journey when I have my bottom surgery. And I'm like, that is not how gender works to me. No. And that has made me as a non-binary person feel entirely unwelcome in there. So I've just backed out slowly. And I stick to my international or UK trans mask groups and non-binary mm-hmm. groups and whatnot. But yeah, no, I mean, fair enough. We live in the village, but I'm often the I'm often the first trans people here have met. 
because it's a village, but I'm definitely the first non-binary person that these people have met. I feel like there's a certain extent of non-binary and intersex erasure. And then I also feel that my gender, my transition has been more about spirituality and being a spirit and going home to my spirit versus transitioning, but just going home to my natural habitat. And that's kind of how I feel about it. But some people are very focused on the binary and and transitioning to become a binary person. And I'm non-binary and I would almost relate more to that, but I do have to transition physically, medically to go back home. It's kind of how I feel my journey has been. And that's why I'm making a movie about it. I think that's really cool. And then there are also a lot of like binary trans people who don't go for any surgeries or whatever, you know, but in this group, it's no, it's like, this is the way to be trans. You know what I mean? This is the way to be a trans man. You change your, you socially transition and then you change your gender marker and your name officially. And then you have top surgery and start HRT six months. Then you can have top surgery. Then you're done. Then you are done trans. That's very like how to make a gingerbread man. But that's the thing is it's not, it's stages, but it's not like clear and cut the same stages for everybody. Like two plus two equals four. This is two plus two equals eight, sometimes 10. And you have to like go through that process. You know, that's how I look at it. It's, it doesn't make sense to me personally for me to make my transition binary um, because that doesn't speak to me spiritually. I'm jealous of y'all living in America. Not for many other reasons I'm not, but for this I am. Because yes, you have to pay for all of this crap, but at least you don't have to pretend to be someone you're not. You know, what helps me with my medical transition is that I have insurance. My insurance is able to cover quite a bit of things that other people in other states, even if they have insurance, won't cover it. Yeah, it's complicated from what I've heard. It's It's very very state by state. Yeah, very state by state. Um, and I think also insurance to insurance. <laughs> Team Cuddle says, in just seven steps, we can make you a man. Yeah, I think there's a song. Isn't there a song like how to? Well, my no, God. that's the Rocky Horror. Yeah. Where he's, I'll make a man out of you. Yeah, I just listened to and it like, earlier this morning. It's like that. But that is just not how all transitions work. And no. they don't see that. They're like, you know, they that's like. Because they don't know, maybe, maybe they just don't know. And we can forgive them for that or make space for them. Oh, totally. But it's also because because of how things are here. If you don't see it, you can't be that kind of stuff. And for me, it's not seeing it to be. It's from the Rocky Era Picture Show. Don't dream it, be it. And that's the path I'm taking. It's like, Mm -hmm. I dream of this person that looks this way more than I need to be a man. So I'm going to transition from a woman to a man and that's what I'm going to do. And then I'll be happy. You have to be happy every step of the journey. And every step of the journey is different for every single individual based on our mental health, based on our minds, which is a blueprint of our soul. So that's how I look at it, but not everybody's going to look at it like that. Like people will look at my movie and be like, this is garbage. This is not how you transition. And I'm like, that's not how you transition. That's how I transition. And, you know, yeah. disco balls for everybody. And then that's how I'm doing it. But everybody has their own way of doing it. And instead of, for me, I don't want to look down at people that want to put their bodies down until they get surgery. I'm just like, that's your journey. My journey's different. And there's space for all of our journeys. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't get frustrating because when we try to go into community, you know, it's like, no, you have to do it this way. And these are the nine steps. And if you don't do these nine steps, you're not a part of the, you're not a part of the tribe. And it's, 
my own website and I my own community and it costs four dollars or eleven dollars a month and what's that? And that's what I'm doing. And yeah. what happens? So I mean, can you go ahead? Sorry, I was just like, I cannot tell you a secret. I have no idea what my transition will look like from this point on. I didn't know what it was Let's gonna do. look like. I don't know. We'll see. You're, you're supposed like, to. It's exactly. Like trying to tell the future. You can't tell the future. When you can tell the future, then you'll know what you're supposed to look like and what exactly. it's supposed. To no, but like a lot of people know where they want to go. I just, I don't know. I'm just feeling it out. But I that's was, the journey. I started growing hair, fuzz here, not a lot, nice. but if, and it freaked me out. And I went on finasteride, which is amazing. And now I have hair regrowth here, which is brilliant. And I was like, okay, let's stop this. Fortunately, my endo is very forward to that. I love that. So like the peach fuzz mm-hmm. gave me dysphoria, but yes. the act of shaving it off gave me euphoria. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But that, but like, well, I didn't. Could I foretold that? No. Is it for you. And maybe that's it. And maybe that's what you discovered. Exactly. You know, as opposed to like gender and I who are like, yes, facial hair. Oh. Yeah, you too. I'm like a baby face here. <laughs> Baby face this, this, this we leave for now and we'll see how I feel about that. Yeah. But there's I've never had a lot of hair growth generally, so I'm not surprised that it's coming in easy, especially with the finasteride, but also it's coming in easy. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. I look different with facial hair than I did a year ago than I did two years ago because it's growing in more. So for some reason it insists on growing here. I didn't ask for neck beard, so that was shaved off as well. Yeah. Why does it start here and go this way? I wanted it every, just right here. Every trans ass, <laughs> like, why do we get neck beards? Who invented those? I mean, I could be pretty snarky and be like, well, that's the cost of being a man, but that doesn't make any sense. It's not. I look at that cost out please thank you and i'm not a man thank you have nice day. you know how, how they're often like you can't pick and choose with hrt but you can that's you can. the thing you can, get a you can microdose you can take finasteride i use gel you can do gel yes. I, oh i use gel as well like i think gel is pretty common here more common than the us maybe where a lot of people are in shots i think i don't know gotcha. if you would do injectable testosterone the bioavailable uptake is much higher so I was right. on I was on gel for eleven months, and if anyone wants to see what that journey was like, I documented <laughs> it every week on the show at the beginning of the show. So every week for eleven months, I'm talking about what changes I'm noticing, what is happening. It's very slow, and it's great if you want a microdose tea to be more a non-binary in between some other kind of flavor. But if you want the significant voice drop and the facial hair. For me, at least, I had to get on injectable tea to really get those results. I wasn't getting it. Voice I was drop like two, my... two entire packets of gel, both eyes every day was not enough to yeah. really get the hair growth and the voice drop that I was wanting. So got some cool. nice voice drop from the gel initially, even on the microdose, mm-hmm. like it was half a packet of yeah. Tessotop. But it stopped once the finasteride kicked in. But now I've mm. upped my tea anyways because my levels were lower than the first time. Plus, I wanted to turn my uterus off more. Yeah, but I, yeah, I'm hoping it'll drop again now because it's stopped for two months entirely now or three, which is exactly when the finasteride kicked in. And like, I know, but on the other hand, I don't want to stop the finasteride because like I have actual baby hairs regrowing here. I'm so happy. I've you. always had a high kind of what is the word in English? High forehead. Um, yes. Yeah. So I'm like really keen on the hair. <laughs> you know, I'm African-American. So we pop that baby hair every chance we get. That's just what we do culturally. So yes. How about this question? How did you get into mental health activity? So I got, this is now we're going to the sad stuff. No, I got into mental health 12 years ago 
my dad died extremely suddenly and I was 20, 26 years old. I had to grow up overnight. I was in the hospital with him and everything. My mother was busy working and I had to make decisions and all that. And after that, I was sad and I was mm-hmm. grieving. And after that, I just wasn't getting better. Gotcha. So while you're like, okay, I'm, you can tell I'm not super grieving anymore. I should keep be getting better, but I'm not getting better. And I saw a psychiatrist and he was like, oh, maybe it's depression. Maybe it's adjustment disorder. I was like, this doesn't sound right. No. At some point I was like, listen, I don't think you're, you can help me. Can you send me to someone else? And she sent me to a psychiatrist who, I don't know if she knew or she, it was pure accident, but he specializes in uh, adult ADHD. So at age 27-ish, I finally got my ADHD diagnosis and started wondering how on earth my parents, my teachers and everyone else had missed it because I am textbook ADHD. Like literally went through the DSM five questions with me. And while my ADHD is not so strong, like I don't need the high dosage of meds, for example, compared to other people, but like I, I hit every box. Yeah. And he was like, there's this one question. I was like, so do you tend to finish? Do you tend to answer questions before the end? I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> and luckily he had a sense of humor. <laughs> so I got diagnosed. Yeah. I got I diagnosed months ago too. That was hard. I was 50 and I was 51. I was like, how did I know? Yeah. This? Yeah. No, it's, I don't know. I asked my teachers and they were like, well, we didn't know about this stuff back then. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> legit. Yeah, legit. I just thought I was. I that I just thought I was odd. <laughs> Which fair, yeah. So it turns out I had so burnout doesn't get diagnosed. It's not diagnosable, at least not in Austria. But I had burnout pretty badly, and that's why I was not getting better. <laughs> so probably I would have gotten burnout anyway. That my dad died was just the catalyst. It's kind of kind of yeah, and I was in a bad way for probably two years. Okay. Until I clawed my way out of there. And while I was in that hole, I, with the ADHD, having gone into overload because I couldn't filter anymore because I was too exhausted to filter because of the burnout, people would be like, how are you doing? And I would be like, you know, incapable to to play that that social phrasing game of, how are you doing? I'm good. And you, I'm fine. You know, that. Yeah, yeah I'm at that. I was just like, I'm not okay. Yeah. I, I started talking openly about my mental health and burnout and grief and ADHD. And people were super taken aback, understandably, because they probably didn't think they would get into that kind of conversation just from asking someone, hi, how are you doing? But after the initial like shock, most people started listening and then something really interesting happened they started talking mm-hmm. and they would tell me about like their own like maybe their own struggles of, with mental health or other people's like their friends family co-workers or whatever struggles with mental health because and I realized it was because they weren't afraid of getting you know being judged anymore in that moment because right. I had opened up about my my basically and they weren't afraid to say oh I have I don't know bipolar you know because they knew that I was in the same boat and I wouldn't judge them. And that has made so many conversations possible about mental health. Yeah. And it's also, I've had situations where people are like, oh, you have to be meaning to look into this. And then it turns out they maybe also had ADHD or right. finally went to see a psychiatrist about their depression and stuff like that. So like, it's really enabled people to go and get the support they needed Yeah. just because I told my story. And then, yeah, then I decided I wanted to do more than just tell my own story. And that's how I started Tabula Raza. That's kind of how it works. I've kind of experienced that with my work too. Just the last two films I've made where I've been open about things that have happened to me or what I'm going through. And 
it literally shifts people. Someone told me I'm not the same person after watching your film, mm. you know? So it's a lot like he couldn't stand still to tell me that he had to really physically move around in space. So yeah. What is tubulu, tubula rosa? Tabula rasa. Tabula rasa. You know, yeah. like the clean slate, that's, it's usually written with a U, tabula rasa. But in my case, it's with the double O's because the, I'm trying to wipe the slate of mental health clean to remove the taboo of talking about mental health. Okay. So the idea, I started it seven years ago, and the idea for it was to do interviews with people, kind of like a blog news, like a blog website kind of thing, to interviews with people and photograph them in the face that, uh, in the place that, that gives them, brings them peace, like their favorite place that I like to go to. And I did two very great interviews with people back in Vienna, had great photographs from an awesome photographer who decided to just donate his time. And then I moved to the UK and I got super busy and then my mental health tanked again and I never used those interviews and I kick myself to this day, but there's no point in using them now because it's old info. So yeah, when I realized a lot was happening on Twitch, I thought I, I will move it there and I'll finally do interviews there because that means I don't have to transcribe stuff. <laughs> it's kind of my big... <laughs> so yeah, the plan is to hopefully beginning of next year, start doing interviews with people on my Twitch channel, basically asking them what like their mental health situation is, how they got their diagnosis, how they're dealing with it, you know, stuff like that. So right. I'm really looking to interview people from all walks of life, all kinds of diagnoses I've got. I can probably pick and like, I can fill a room with the people I know that have ADHD and autism and the mental health issues that come connected to that. Probably as a trans people, I might have someone who has borderline personality disorder, which is always extremely stigmatized and much harder right. to talk about. I find. Yeah, definitely. Now I would, yeah, basically also at some point love to talk to someone with dissociative identity disorder. So basically just want to introduce viewers to mental health topics through people's personal stories that's the plan there. We've kind of answered some of the questions, like how did you become a mental health advocate, af activist? We talked a little bit about that. And we also talked about what happens when people start to talk openly about their mental health experiences. But this question I really like, how can companies create a better environment for people who struggle with their mental health? What are some ideas? If you could think of three ideas and then talk about those, that'd be great. We're what I generally, that's not just companies, but that's all of us, something that I keep going on about and that I just gave a talk about on Saturday at Pajamas Conference, which is a Python conference, is inclusive language. So, mm. you know, just like we we know not to say, oh, that's so gay when we dislike something. We should also learn not to say, oh, that's so crazy or that's, right. you know, that's the way we, the yeah. way, yeah. The way I, although like personally, a situation can be crazy, but I would never call another person crazy. But if you wish to call yourself crazy, because that's how you identify, that's okay with me. That's you know right. what I mean? So yes. it's complicated and it's nuanced, of course, but a lot of it is, I don't know, things like the way we talk about mental health, it's always mental illness. Like personally, mm. I prefer mental health experience, which is much less... It doesn't assign any kind of value to it well, or just a lot of it's committed suicide instead of died by suicide or I don't know. I understand what you're saying there because for me, like I've been thinking a lot about like with my film, I've been thinking a lot about my mental health because that's what it's about. And I'm just like, you know, it's always mental health illness. And I'm like, it's a mental health condition on its worst day. 
you have completed suicide on its best day, you don't even notice the symptoms. And this is a spectrum that we're talking about. And it's just like ADHD is different for the three of us. We did, we have ADHD, but it's different for the three of us, our experiences, how we were raised, how we continue to raise ourselves. Because at some point in time in this community, you parent yourself and you parent other people that are also in this community. So, you know, you build a strong chosen family. And sometimes some people fall off and the strains, the true strains stay in that community, in that family. And so that's what I'd like to look at it too, is like mental health conditions and the spectrum in between that. And, you know, it's just like being queer versus being lesbian and the spectrum between those two. And why I choose omnisexual versus pansexual, because it means all of these things. You know, so what were you going to say about it? I've recently come across something that I found very profound, which is the use of mental ill health. There is mental illness to me. It's kind of like that. That sounds like there's no coming back from it. At least to me, that's, it sounds very damning. I like to use mental health experiences. But also, if you take a step back, if it's not that bad yet, like especially during the pandemic, when people were struggling, like someone who may not actually have general things, generalized anxiety disorder might still have been really anxious and developed anxiety during the pandemic that right. I would classify as mental ill health because like it's a spectrum. Right. And it's. maybe not so bad that you need a diagnosis and need to go and get medication and get like professional help but it's also valid because it's mental ill health and i don't know like you can have a bad back chronically but also sometimes you wake up with a bad back and it takes a few days you know exactly yeah and that's also why i think it's important that we're all becoming more aware of mental health and also more able to talk about it because then we can talk about we can talk about the big scary things, but we can also talk about the small things that affect more people, but they also still affect them, you know? You know, we're of different generations and Generation X, and are you, or would you be considered a millennial? I, I think I am a, an elder millennial or geriatric millennial, as I've heard. I'm, I'm a dinosaur Generation X, Tyrannosaurus Atlas. And so. <laughs> I'm just, I Especially am, after your top surgery, right? Tyrannosaurus Atlas. Yes. No <laughs> arms above the shoulders for six weeks. Wow. Oh, what now? So anyway, uh, didn't have that support network when I was in my 20s. Nobody talked about what I wanted to talk about. Nobody had the bandwidth to talk about. And, and what's happening is that all these people that didn't have bandwidth are very bitter people. Are they finally doing the therapy they needed to do? Because their millennial children and their Gen Zer children are like, you're crossing my boundaries and this is my mental health as a result of this. And you need to check yourself. In some cases, people are able to do that. In some cases, they're not, but they at least go to check their own mental health. And so I'm thankful for younger generations that are dealing with their mental health in a way that when I tried to, like I've been reading self-help books since 1991. I was the first person in my group to do that. And that's what I've been doing all ever since then, plus, you know, finishing therapy and everything. So I understand what you're talking about. And, and that's kind of cool because the language needs to change until it doesn't need to change as drastically anymore. And mm-hmm. so, so that's a great lead into the next question, which is, let me see here. The question is, what can you do when you're going through something and think you need help with your mental health? Or if someone is go- someone else is going through something, what kind of language would you like to put around that? I think if you yourself need help, like I have found the internet to be a very valid 
resource like to share like i found a lot of stuff back when i was diagnosed 10 years 12 years ago the forums were still a thing so forums for adhders and also my partner was in forums for partners of adhds which was also super helpful in the end i think if you think you're in a serious crisis please go see a professional Right. Sometimes, I don't know what it's like in the US, but sometimes wait times can be long for psychiatrists and therapists. If you can scrounge up the money to pay privately, that might be worth it. I feel like some stuff warrants going to a professional. If you like depressed or think you might have depression or any kind of like diagnosable mental illness disorder, whatever, as they call it in the DSM, because oftentimes you can get meds and those can help. Like with ADHD, when a friend of mine tells me, oh, I think I have ADHD. I'm like, yeah, go see a doctor and maybe you can get medication. And I'll make things easier for you. If mm-hmm. a friend tells me, oh, I think I'm autistic. I'm like, okay, you can figure that out by yourself with the online tests and just figuring out because if you go to a doctor, they're not going to be able to help you anyways. There's no medical support system for autism. It's You got to take care. Yeah. Accommodations and whatnot. So there's always this. There's also, I think in some countries, the issue of if you're trans and you disclose that you're autistic, you might have a harder time accessing HRT and surgery. So always check that kind of stuff. I think in the UK, it's somewhat because then they're like, oh, you're autistic. You don't know what you want. You don't know what your gender is. You know what I mean? Gender, whatever. If you're generalizing me, that's yeah. a spectrum. So but... uh, that happens a lot. That a lot wow. of gatekeeping that autistic people experience. Somehow, I haven't heard that from ADHD is, but please don't take my word for it. I'm not an expert on healthcare. If you see someone else in crisis, which is often the moment where we really panic more so than we when we see ourselves in crisis, my first advice is to not call the police. Yeah. yeah, this should like, I mean, they're somewhat better in Austria than they're in the US probably, but that should always be your last resort because in a mental health crisis, um, the police is just not trained for that. Um, yeah, that's the big, that, exactly. The police are not trained to respond to mental health. No. So they're just they're trained to make it worse. Is, is violence. They're going to do yeah. violence and a power over. They're not going and to And even help. if they're it's not, not violence, they're just going to make it worse by what they, with what they're saying. I, I don't know what it's like with EMTs, if they're any better trained. Not really, no. Not in most countries. So first step in crisis will always, I mean, obviously protect yourself and protect the person in question if you can. Helplines, uh, Samaritans in most countries, in other, some countries they're useless, but there, there are some helplines that can help, mental health helplines where professionals can talk you through it and tell you what the next steps are. They're easy but, to Google, right? Are sorry? they easy to Google? Yeah, I also have a list somewhere. I can send it to you later if I don't forget. Okay. Write it down. So, um, a question that I have that might be... I have a follow-up oh, what we were talking about first. Okay. So, so we were, we've barely just touched on mental health phone call lines. And I want to take a moment to spotlight a resource that my community, the Clouder, came up with. It's already been announced on Discord, so this isn't new if you've already heard of it. And Juice just posted the link in the chat. Linktree forward slash safer support is the Linktree that I think Juice put together from all this research the Clouder did. So there are a handful of emergency phone call lines you can call that are are non-report lines. So if you call these, they're not going to call the cops. They're not going to call someone else on you, no matter how bad you no matter how bad of a state you or the person calling is in. And so as trans people or gender diverse people, and especially if you are BIPOC and trans, these lines are going to be much safer than any of the other ones that exist. I'll, let's see if I can read a pile of them out loud. There's Black Line, there's LGBTQ National Senior Hotline, LGBT National Hotline, LGBT National Youth Talk Line, 
LGBT national hotline, online peer chat, Q Life, Warm Life, and Web Chat, Thrive Lifeline, Trans Lifeline, and Wildflower Alliance peer support warm line. Maybe do... Lee knows something for the UK to add to that. I don't know. Yeah. And as we continue to find resources like this, I'm happy for us to continue updating the list. But it's really important for everyone listening to this at this point in this show. I know we're already an hour in, so maybe people want it off. But it's important to me, at least, that folks know, please only use the hotlines that don't report. And do that research ahead of time so that when the moment comes that you or a friend is in need, you already know the references. You already know what to pull on. Because especially when you're in that moment of crisis and panic and everything is terrible, you're probably not going to remember it. So go bookmark it right now. Save it for later. Right now, you know, that's, what is that? Eight, nine, ten resources you can have for later. So we will continue adding to the list as time goes on. But just so that folks know for now, this is a great place to start. Yeah. I have a little passionate about this. We have like our Solidarity Resources channel and we post resources like this constantly. And I don't know who sees it because we spent hours and hours preparing them and making them, but it's hard to spotlight it and get it, the information out enough. I don't know how to do it better. If anyone has ideas, feel free to DM me. But, I think the link tree is a yeah. great idea, actually. But, but we make a resource that's powerful like this at least once a month. It's so much to keep up with. Another one we did recently yeah. is the trans surgery grants, which if anyone's hearing this for the first time, you know, it's like a pile of different grants. You can apply for different trans surgeries. And it's not only in the U.S. Some of them are international. And we have detailed notes about which ones are international, which ones are U.S. only. There's one of them that's like a specific country in the in Europe only. And I can't remember which one. I dropped that detail out of my brain. But anyways, so there's, yeah, we the grants list is in the chat right now. But yeah, we, we make resources. It's in Wales. Thank you. So we make resources like this constantly in the clouder. So if you want, first, if you want to be on the front, getting this information hot off the press, join the Discord server, because that's where it's getting published. We do push it out as a notification to other servers. So if you run a server and you want these notifications in yours, let us know, or just join the server and follow the announcements. You don't even have to talk to us about it. You can just follow it. So I know that about 10,000 people see those posts when they go out because I know the servers that I've negotiated those announcements being pushed to. And I don't know how many other servers are following it that I don't know of. So it's probably one of the biggest pieces of activism. It's very grassroots, right? It's, it's not a major social media company. It's like our own server that's doing the work. So it's less vulnerable to some social media entity deciding the trans people suck and we're going to take away your stuff. Like... Anyway, yeah. that's part of why yeah, getting each other's emails and stuff is so important so that we can stay connected no matter like what the bigger entities are doing. I'm thinking about how Twitter is collapsing in the back yeah. of my head right now. For anyone listening mm. to this later in the future and you don't know what's happening current event wise, if you don't know what Elon Twitter just is bought Twitter point. a month ago, it's totally falling apart. All the trans people who are on there who've been using it for mutual aid are sad because it's like, how are we going to raise money for surgeries now? This is how we've done this. It's a whole thing, but that's not the topic for today. Anyways. I just yes. think Mastodon is pretty pretty trans friendly so far. Like it's you're... great. We're working on a server for the clouder, like a, oh, nice. an iteration. It's a I'm big on project. queer dot party if anyone wants yeah. an invite to that in the meantime. Yeah. I'm on um, Mastodon.social, which was the first big one. But yeah. We need a we need more that one gets a bit full, I heard. So it let is, me know if you is. want an invite it's, to Queer yeah, Party because I don't <laughs> think there's invites to that one right now. Yeah, Queer Party is a fun, fun sounding one. Yeah. But um, I will say the one that we're building, the goal is we are going to, it is going to be, you have to subscribe in order to get access to it. But any money we make over just basic hosting fees, which makes it scalable as the group gets bigger, is going to go into a trans surgery grant that cool. we're going to give out every year. So, you know, 
you could be paying money for hosting and for, you know, eating the tetuses and installing the penises and removing the penises and all of it. <laughs> Who doesn't want it your two so, bucks a month so to go towards that? It would be so practical if we could, just, so if we could just swap those out with each other. Oh, gosh. I don't know how often I've had that conversation like with trans premier, moms. The premier trans dream like is, just... you know, take my boobs. Here you go. Yep, exactly. Sort of like Legos or is this? Yes. Yeah. Like like, like was... I'm going to make that toy and sell it on my website. Is there anything else <laughs> about gender and mental health you'd like to make sure? You'd like to make sure we say. <laughs> I'm a gender and, and mental health. I don't know. Like my mental health, my anxiety that was like, I got anxiety. I think maybe I thought it was comorbid with my ADHD. I got it a few years later. And I feel like a lot of it has gotten better ever since I realized I was trans. <laughs> it's like, it's still, still there. I'm still an anxious little bugger, but I'm not better. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel so much better too. And it's like also just by realizing that I had dysphoria, the dysphoria got a little better. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I know it's some, for some people it's different. It's like, Oh yeah, I don't have I don't have bottom dysphoria, and then they finally get top surgery, and then they do get bottom dysphoria, or something like that. But I don't know what that will be like for me. But for me, it was like realizing that's the issue made the issue somewhat less constant. Yeah, that's still have days where I'm like, yes, you know, like, I still like, would really like to not have all the back issues I have because of a lifetime of hiding the teats. Yeah, uh, but it's somehow I, affecting I my mental health less. I feel like for me, antidepressant, like being. Yeah. Oh my God. Like tea cured my fatigue. That is insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's I noticed wild. I said, it's that totally is wild. insane because, and I feel it's mentally- situ- because it's a situation that's insane. So I think that's personally my, how I see it. Like a situation can be insane because we talked about inclusive language, but yeah, I, I started taking tea and uh, I had this diffuse weird. I don't know if it was chronic fatigue, but I was fatigued for five years. And I took tea and like the next day was gone. And my partner and our friends who were here at the time, they were like, hey, you just, this is a placebo. I was like, maybe this is, but I'm going to enjoy it. Well, have it. And it's still like, I get exhausted now. I get tired, but I'm not constantly fatigued. I can't right. tell when, as I'm back to kind of my pre-ADHD diagnosis time where I couldn't tell that I was getting exhausted. So I was just working through it and that's how I burned out. So I need to learn how to stop, but at least I'm not constantly like stopped by fatigue. So I, I, it's, what did you say? What It's what? It is. It's absolutely. Sorry, what? No, you were finishing your sentence. Go ahead. You said it's. Yeah, no, I, I, I cut you off. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. I think I keep saying and explaining to people like, imagine you're a car and people have been putting petrol in you for your entire life and telling you this is how you run. And you're like, something is really off, but apparently this is how cars run with petrol. And then someone puts diesel in you and you're like, oh, that. And that's what tea felt like to me. Like I'm finally yeah. running on the correct juice. Yes. Mm-hmm. I remember having to take birth control to regulate my moods. And I cried for two or three times a day for three weeks. I said, you have to take me off of this. And yeah. when I start tea, I'm like, I still can cry if I need to. Cause I've heard people say that you can't cry when you're in tea, which really scared me because I want my emotions, but I feel like I'm more perfectly balanced. It's just dealing with people around me yeah. that can still trigger like anger or sadness or depression. And so I've just decided to take a sabbatical for the rest of the year 
and just kind of do my own thing, just to reset myself. And what, a sabbatical from tea? A sabbatical from just social engagement. Okay. Cause I was like, (laughs) no, I just talked on tea. I'm taking a sabbatical from being healthy. No, I've done that already. Um, I'm doing, I feel like, I just feel like I'm running on an even keel now. Like I can I couldn't I run hot, like typical neurodivergent cannot regulate my temperature thing. I still get that sometimes. Like I randomly got the shivers two nights ago and I still sweat easily. And the since I got gone up with my tea, I sweat more easily now as well. But I can handle it better. Last summer was the first summer that I was on tea. And it was also the first summer that I was not constantly getting angry at life and my existence. In yeah. I, Somehow I can handle it. Somehow I can handle it. Yeah, like, like I, I just feel like it's... I, it's the you know? hormone that I need and just, yeah, it just falls right off your shoulders. And it's, it was the hormone that I needed to balance myself out. Yeah. So for me, it was like getting off. So I was on birth control for 10 years because of severe PMDD. It only marginally helped with that, but it was the best option I had. So I went off the birth control, went on a double dose of progesterone. I think it is what I'm getting that stopped my periods and went on tea like a, a week later and my life just changed from one day to the next. I was. You feel better? I, I suddenly felt like I wasn't a slave to my hormones anymore. Okay. I can, you know, instead of just having a week, a month where I can exist like a normal person and then having three weeks of intense PMDD, severe boob pain, take your bra off and die of pain kind of situation. And then do the whole cycle from the beginning afterwards. Uh, instead, I just do my thing and I live my life and why did no one tell me it was this easy? Why did no one tell me I could do this and I could have this? I, I don't have any regrets about my life because I, all of it has led me to who I am today. But right. like, did someone have told me this maybe 10 years ago, you know? This will lead into the next question. Can you share an experience with gender euphoria? The first moment where I realized it was gender euphoria is when I got, as so we were going to a wedding before we left Scotland, our friends got married in Glasgow and I was like, I need a proper shirt, you know, something that looks halfway fancy. And I ordered one from Gender Free World, which is a UK brand. And they, so you choose your cut and then you choose your size and they have different cuts for different, not genders, but ways bodies are built. And I ordered a shirt and I put it on. And back then I was still wearing like normal bras and not actually sports bras or binders. And I put it on and it closed properly and it looked flattish. And I looked at myself and I was like, and then I was like, oh, I think this is gender euphoria. Yeah. Yeah. And ever since then, it's those little things like discovering the hairs on my thighs. I was like, oh, I like that. I didn't know I would like that. And just the act of shaving the fluff that I don't want off because the fluff makes me dysphoric. But the shaving doesn't. My hair had grown kind of long. And then in time for the talk on Saturday, we finally cut it again. And we also dyed it. But just the hair got short. I was like, oh, yeah, now I feel better. You know, seeing how easily I grow muscle now is amazing. Yes. Like I work out so much now. I also need so much protein. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) I'm joking. The shared trans mask experience. How do you get your protein? Um, my uh, nutritionist said I had to eat a hundred grams of protein a day in order I, to I basically up. mainline peanut butter and I found a protein powder shake that I really like. Okay. Wow. Um, it's an Austrian company, unfortunately, so you won't be able to get it, but it's basically just whey and natural flavoring. So if it's cocoa and no sugar and I, I love it. So that helps. Uh 
Also, I've learned to like actually eat the protein because I don't know, like maybe month one or two after starting tea, I was suddenly getting depressed and I was like, oh no, is that the finasteride? Because you hear all these things about finasteride giving people depression and stuff like that. Uh, finasteride, for those who don't know, is a DHT blocker that stops hair growth, facial hair growth and body hair growth helps prevent loss of hairline and also stops bottom growth so that's the so i started i was like oh no is it making me depressed and luckily i have good resources i've got communities i'm in a slack a tech slack for lgbt people and there are good trans mask channels and i posted it and i was like oh, no i feel so depressed and someone was like have you had enough protein i was like i usually yeah. do but i have the past few days and i like, go eat some peanut butter and i went and ate some peanut butter and i woke up the next morning not depressed yeah I'm learning so much about my body these days. It's both fascinating and wild. (laughs) Yeah, I understand that. Definitely. I understand that. All of that was some things that I'd gone through, like the hair on the thighs, building muscle mass so quickly, adjusting to my facial hair growing in like stronger on this side and less strong on this side. My voice changed within a week and I went, I was recording my voice every week. That's what my mission was going to be. And so I recorded it the first time I started tea. And then a week later I was recording and I was just like, talk in your normal voice. This is so, what's wrong with you? Talk in your normal voice. And so I said, my name is Alice Sogun Phoenix. Would you just talk in your normal voice? Do it again. So after eight tries, I'm like, oh, that scratchy feeling in the back of my throat that makes me feel like I've got a cold coming on. I think that's my voice changing. I had no one there to tell me. And so- Mine mine didn't change that quickly, but I had that same, what's going, what's, am I getting sick? I was like, no, that's a frog in my throat. I mean, my favorite was having a talk show within that same month and I had to record a two hour show. So I had to record uh, 28 minutes per half hour of the show. And if you listen to it, every half hour sounds completely different. And then every now (laughs) you get the joy of my voice cracking and then me (laughs) laughing about it and pointing it out and then trying to go back into the interview with four other people. Oh, so that was kind of cool. I love that. I haven't really had the cracks because of microdose so far. Okay. It's been very smooth for me, but Mm -hmm. also very slow. But like I gave a talk in April that was recorded. And when I went into edit that I was cringing the whole time. And while my voice hasn't dropped massively, the talk I gave on Saturday, I did some trial runs for that and recorded myself. And I just watched that. I was like, fine. So it must have changed enough for me to be less dysphoric about it. Yeah. I mean, I still get mamp, obviously, but. Yeah, I, I still get mamp. It's kind of, what? Yeah. With, a, with, yeah. a, with the stash? I mean, because I was wearing a mask. With a mask. So okay. But if still. I, if I get yeah. into a lift, someone was like, okay, ma'am, you're here. I'm like, uh, whatever. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. But when I don't have it on, I get surred with, like, I'm treated sir? really. Like the sir? No, I get, sir, yes, sir, we'll do whatever you want, sir. And I'm just like, just knock it off. (laughs) That was also a thing. Like before I properly came out as trans, I was like, my pronouns are she, her, but you can call me sir. And then someone did. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I do that too. I just get all, I get get the original meaning of gay. I get happy and I'm just like. (laughs) that's right. You're going to serve me like when it's polite versus kissing my patootie. And so, you know, when it's just, yes, sir. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, in my case, it was just a friend on the internet going, calling me, sir. And I was like, still elated. Just, you know, 
kind of like I, I was with the trees earlier. Yes. Yeah. I feel like, yes. It's funny how like these little things that you don't expect give you gender euphoria or not, and then things change and it's other th- it's funny. Yeah. And th- this is I think this is why I struggle with the the whole linear trans journey that we're sold in the media. Yeah. Because that is not at all how I've experienced it. It's like a wild ride and then never know what's around the next corner. Yeah, like I mean, literally, I can wake up in the morning and feel super nice and trans mask, or I can wake up and have crippling chest dysphoria, you know? Yeah, it's different. Don't know what you get. It's different throughout the day. Like every yeah. moment of the day is different. Like uh, your hair falls differently, weirdly, and suddenly you feel different about it. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. But I also enjoy this ride. I'm glad I'm on it. I'm glad you're on it too. <laughs> I'm glad we're all There's on it. always good company on this ride, I have to say. The, yes. The chat is collectively giggling about Atlas saying patootie a minute ago. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that you self edited so that, you know, we would stay PG 13. So so I messed up the. I, Be I right back, changing my name to Patty Patootie. <laughs> <laughs> Not if I beat you first. I like that name. Um, <laughs> Papatuti. I'm, I'm finally movie. reading up on the chat, which I didn't before. So funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just listened to Papatuti on the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack. It's in this, this playlist that I have that has D-Light and the internet. But yeah, let's ride the gender roller coaster over and over. <laughs> oh, Lee, you say that you hate me slightly for that lack of fatigue. That's fine. Finn is really worried that they will not get the fatigue killer from tea that they're so they have their end appointment in two weeks but also imagine how much fatigue you would have if you were not on i've done that where i forget to put my tea on for a few days and i'm just like what is going on What's this? oh that's what's going on let's go rub ourselves and put tea all over our body so yes you i mean i don't know if you have recently upped your tea but i recently upped my tea i get cranky for a few days do other people experience yes. that too like, it's just the adjustment period, even though it's the right direction, I get cranky. Yeah. Okay. If I don't put my tea on, like when I had my top surgery a year ago, I didn't put it on for maybe a week because it just was, it was just an extra thing. I know. And I noticed that I was very cranky. And then I was like, you have to start putting it back on. And and I did the day that I finally put a shirt on because I had my post stop the next week and I put on a flannel and between putting on my tea and putting on a flannel, I, my friend was with me I said, you with the shirt on. Like, I've been dressing your chest all week. Like, I know what you look like flat chest. It was wrong with you. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just going to happen. So, it's going to happen. The fact that you've got this when you were 50 gives me hope that maybe I can manage. If I, if one of those job interviews that I'm currently having with companies works out and I get a job, then I can actually put money aside again because self being self employed in Germany is a horror show and you end up with no savings, then I can start saving up. And then at least the financial part will be settled. It's just the organizational part that is still yeah, what I'm right. There's a lot of stuff. Like these are I'm also, Yeah. I'm also kind of terrified of the whole post-op thing because I was diagnosed with prediabetes and got it back down through vigorous strength training which I will not be able to do after surgery. So that's another thing. You know, you, I was able to start working out within a month and a half. Okay. And I'm, I was 50 at the time, you know, actually I was 51 when I got surgery. So I was 51 at the time. And I have good wound healing usually, I guess. So yeah. Look at how your body heals, you know, and if you're working out, then 
that's less to worry about. Yeah. I think. And probably like, it's just one thing for my brain to worry about because it's yeah. not like this is around the corner anyway. So yeah, that works with my ADHD really well just to worry. Yeah. About. Let's just focus on this one small thing and worry about that instead of doing any of the things. You mean overthinking? Yes. No, us never. <laughs> I love overthinking. It's my favorite hobby. Sometimes I get depressed. What is your special interest? Overthinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's my hobby. What would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary trans issues in case you missed it? Or just Binary like people what's, are valid, your... but it feels like such a non-thing to say here anyways in this kind of company. Of course, we're valid. I feel like doubly invisible sometimes. I'm bisexual and non-binary. It's like I, I don't exist in many ways. After June, yeah. I am completely invisible. Uh, I mean, I'm invisible in a lot of ways, too. And I just made a movie about how funny it is that the microaggressions are just so funny. And it's just it's not funny, but it's funny because I'm just like, why? Humor <laughs> is how I deal. So I get that. So I very much get that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. OK, so we want to close it out. I think. Do you have any questions? No. Does um, I mean, I have to stop talking to you. That's yeah. a shame. Do you have questions in the chat? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about or say kai this is so much fun we also can raid to your channel because that's what's on the the docket for next yeah be on the yeah, podcast so but lot, the I'm... chat can talk to you directly some more i haven't seen any more ama questions roll in from the chat so we want to do a cross pro promo yes we always do that at the end but we i like to triple check if anyone wants to say anything before we we move on to that stuff at the end no questions says no angel 13 People never have questions for me in whenever I do. And I always wonder if it's because I'm very thorough and talkative and nothing is left to to be asked. I think you're very thorough. Something's gone. You are thorough, Kai. You are thorough. (laughs) I can also say, you know, this is episode 72 and maybe a quarter of the guests get questions. Maybe. So (laughs) it's pretty common to have a quiet chat. I mean, if we had hundreds of people here instead of 15, maybe we would have more questions. But it's also possible that other guests in past episodes have answered questions people might have. Like it's just general trans questions, right? So I really appreciate, Kai, that you shared about what it's like both in Germany and Austria to navigate like trans healthcare. That's something Mm -hmm. I haven't heard too much of. of. One of my editors is in Germany. And is actually here in the chat now. Shout out to Lexington. Um, Let me know if I've talked, basically. If I've lied accidentally, please tell me. Yeah, we, the everyone is collectively has enjoyed this conversation very much and is grateful that, you know, made the time to be with us today on the show. Um, It's been such a delight. That's what I'm seeing in chat. Everyone's really enjoying the conversation. So that's awesome. Do you Um, want to do the cross promo? Yeah, I can do that. So, so folks, Kai is a... DevRel consultant, mental health advocate, and public speaker. They run Tabula Rasa, a mental health awareness project that seeks to erase the stigma connected to mental health. The link tree is in the chat. And if you're here with us live, we're actually going to go raid over to Kai's channel. So if you stick around, let me just go go live. Yeah. So I should go live now. So we can go drop up to 15 whole hacking follows. Ooh. Yeah. Kai's hair is majestic. I'm dropping. Uh, Thank Christmas you. Cheese. My partner yeah. did all of this. They're a they're a legend. <laughs> they're know, a heckin' legend. You. They're a heckin' legend. They're a heckin' legend. They cut. I think. It, I think it's great that we it. saved the one f bomb for describing how magnificent your partner is. That's the best I use. Kind of F-bomb. dropped one earlier. I think. <laughs> I, I no, it was sugar honey ice ice. It was sugar honey iced tea. So you were good, actually. But I'm dropping the Christmas tree. <laughs> 
and the ornaments in chat. Yeah, so you all- I did earlier too. Um, <laughs> okay. So folks. Okay, um, I am live on the Tabula Rasa stream. Uh, so, so, so Grumpy MB is on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch also as the Grumpy NBENBY. You can find more information about Gender Meowster and the Clouder and the stuff that I'm up to with my Linktree forward slash Gender Meowster. There's also the support lines that we mentioned, Linktree forward slash Safer Support. The Twitch for Tabula Rasa is T A B O L A R A S A O R G. There's no dot, it's just Tabula Rasa org. As a reminder, there's the Austrian gender activism group, genderklage.at. I still need a link for Gender Free World from maybe Kai. And all of the fun holiday decorations. So next week, our talk show guest is going to be Juice Tex, and we're discussing gender exploration through fandom. And then the week after that, I'm the guest, and Atlas is interviewing me. I'm hoping that the new show intro will be ready by then, but no guarantees. But we do have a new website that I made yesterday. Inspires yes. the website class. So it's beautiful. if anyone wants to see it, I wrote the whole thing in HTML. I have no idea what I'm doing. It's very fun. I'm going to type it in the chat. Genderfulpodcast.com. The show has a website. Congratulations, us. We finally exist after 72 episodes. <laughs> We finally have a hacking website. So please do check it out. There is a spot there you can apply to be a guest if you would like to be on the show sometime. And I don't know. There's probably a lot more to say about it, but I won't. So, so yes. So next week's guest is Juice. And for right now, Jennifer would like to thank our guest for being on this podcast. Feel free to join us live on Twitch on Mondays. Check out the replays on YouTube on Fridays and podcasts now on Fridays as well. As Nefer Kitty, my sweet cat, likes to say, trans rights or human rights. That's right.